The big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. Why are you laughing over there? Saturday at the Coliseum, those Trojans did a little post-Thanksgiving stuffing. That's another touchdown. USC. Cody Kessler has four touchdown passes in the first 15 minutes of this football game, and the Trojans exploding to a 27 to nothing lead. It's more like it, isn't it, boys? It's time for the Trojansports.com podcast with Blair Angulo, Chris Swanson, and Adam J. Maya as the boys recap the Trojans' demolition of the Fighting Irish. I keep singing the praises of our resiliency, of our leadership, of our ability to, to get up, back off the mat, get back on the horse, and keep rising. Plus, Adam J. Maya's got his bumper sticker award, a little recruiting action. The boys wrap up what has been quite a bumpy season. Look ahead to the future and so much more. It is the Trojansports.com podcast, and it's right now. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm Blair Angulo, joined as always by Adam Maya, the Trojansports.com staff writer. Adam, a big victory for USC to close out the regular season, 49-14 to against Notre Dame. It was great to see them bounce back after that loss to UCLA. Yeah, they played a perfect game. Um, that was a game that we probably thought, you know, we could see throughout the year. Uh, kind of like the Fresno State game, and I realized that, you know, that was a different opponent. But we we saw the best of them, I feel like, um, in the passing game. Um, the running game rebounded um, defensively very, very good. They actually blitzed. It was effective. I felt like USC kind of figured out, you know, unfortunately in the 12th game, who they were, what they were good at, what they weren't good at, and how to compensate for that. We saw Cody Custer throw six touchdowns, and he's been picking on these teams that are unranked. You've gone in-depth about this ratio. What's the ratio stand adding into the bowl game? Well, against unranked teams, he threw 32 touchdowns and one reception. Against four ranked teams, he threw four touchdowns and three interceptions. That's incredible. I think it has a lot to do with the offensive line as well. Um, you know, obviously these these ranked teams are going to have good defensive fronts, good linebackers, some better schemes. So Kessler doesn't have as much time as he usually does against these unranked teams. And when he does go uh, up against you know some poor competition, he's been able to pick them apart. Moves his feet really well. I was really impressed with him this whole regular season. Yeah, it's not black and white either. It's not just like, um, you know, if you're a ranked team, you have a good defense. And if you're not, then you don't. I think what is black and white in terms of, you know, that opponent would be the pressure of the game. And I felt like in the middle of the year, he really um, kind of wilted a bit under the pressure of, the Arizona game. ASU actually wasn't ranked when they played them, but they had been ranked a week before that. And, you know, they were a good team throughout the year. They're ranked now. They've been ranked nearly the entire year. But the Stanford game, he played okay. UCLA obviously didn't play very well. And so I think that is something that kind of where he'll have to mature and develop because this offense pretty much lives and dies by his efficiency. And so 
we saw, you know, in different games where they needed him. They were kind of relying on him. I'm reminded of um, both the Utah game and the ASU game and even the Arizona game where those games all came down to the final minute. And maybe defensively, they weren't great near the end of the fourth quarter. But if Cody plays a little bit better in those games, they've already put them away. You know, in each one, they had a, a good lead at least, uh, you know, a touchdown lead with the ball, you know, in the fourth quarter in, in each one of those games, and they weren't able to put them away. And so that's where I, I look at Cody Kessler, and I think, okay, this is what we should expect to see when he comes back for a fifth year, because he'll be coming back. Yeah, I know a big discussion topic was his ability or his willingness to throw downfield. Yeah, uh, I don't think he was as aggressive as he could have been all year. Uh, and another, I guess, maybe concern for me personally was he, he was too reliant on Nelson Aguilar. I mean, he would look at him. It was clearly his number one option. He'd stare him down. And I think that was, uh, m- you know, maybe something that he needs to improve on this offseason, really distributing the ball better and, uh, you know, being, being a guy that, that sees the whole field. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a little bit miffed by that because I think that Cody can do what he was he can. capable of yeah, doing. Absolutely, he can. Yeah, I mean, so it isn't like they only had Nelson Aguilar. Obviously, Juju is a great player. He's going to be, I think, uh, an all-time great receiver at USC. George Farmer, we saw in that last game, and we, we, we've known he can do that for a while, you know, and it took 12 games for... Farmer and Cody to, to link up, you know, to that nature, and so I think again it, it does come back to Kessler trusting people, utilizing more receivers, not too reliant on not only Aguilar but really the running backs. I mean, a lot of catches this year from Buck Allen and Justin Davis. So I feel like um, again it's part of his development. Um, I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is coming back or not, but if he doesn't come back, it really will force Kessler to kind of you know mature in that way. The other thing too, he can throw downfield. You know, he's not. He might not have like a a great NFL arm, but he can throw. You know, a 30, 40 yard pass downfield with good accuracy. Um, the thing I liked about in the last game is that he threw down the sideline. A lot of the time, if he does go downfield, it's like over the top down the middle of the field. But you got to be able to make that throw down the sideline. That's where you're going to hit, you know, some people. You know, you're, you'll get that one-on-one coverage, and it's really a matter of having, I guess, uh, the oomph in you to, to do it. Yeah, the seniors went out on a on a winning note there at the Coliseum. Uh, now they obviously have to go out on a winning note in the bowl game. Um, but there was obviously two some some juniors that that are maybe on the fringe or you know some some gray area in terms of their NFL futures. One of those is not Leonard Williams at all. I mean, I think he's he's pretty much gone. Probably a top ten pick. Yeah, Leonard is feeling a little bit torn right now because he really likes being at USC. He loves being a Trojan. You know, the kid came from Florida and he's made this his family. And so, um, I think if he wasn't going to be a top five pick, he would be coming back because of how much he enjoys being here. But he he knows that he can't come back and. So, you know, I think he's been trying to be uh, modest about it, you know, and, and say I'm going to wait till after the bowl game. But, you know, don't get your hopes up. Leonard Williams won't be coming back. On the offensive side, we touched on Nelson Aguilar a little bit. Bounced back pretty nicely following a three-catch performance against UCLA at the Rolls Bowl. He had 12 catches Saturday against Notre Dame. W- what are you feeling on him? I, I think he would probably be gone as well. 
Yeah, I I waver on this. I guess that would make it fifty fifty. Um, I know that Kessler is trying to bring him, you know, trying to get him to come back, you know, pushing hard for that. And when you're a receiver, you can you can come back. You're not in at much risk, you know, in coming back for another year. So I could see him coming back. If I were betting on it, I would bet that he wouldn't. But that's not like a sure thing. How much would you bet? <laughs> I don't even gamble. So. Orangina? You love Orangina. <laughs> Man, Blair. Yeah. I, I, maybe like a, I'd share a drink of Orangina. Okay. I'm not giving up a whole I don't Orangina. know how you drink those, man. <laughs> um, and another guy on offense, Buck Allen, running back. He had a really good year. Kind of tailed off at the end, though. Yeah, he, he, I think he's worn out. Um, you know, he. you have to remember, they lost Trey Batting for the year. It was supposed to be a three-man rotation. And so... You know, Buck took the brunt of that. Justin didn't play in the middle of the year for a while. He had the fumbling issues, and so they really leaned on Buck, and he took, I think, a lot of hits in that middle. It, when he played his best, actually, I mean, incredible games against Arizona, Arizona State. He had the, the streak of six games with 100 yards, and so I think he had a wonderful year, and I'm not going to hold, you know, the last month against him, but... I think it goes to show that, you know, you have such a short shelf life as a running back. I really would be shocked if he came back. Uh, who are some other guys that I think USC fans should maybe be paying attention to here in the next couple months? Okay, well, George Farmer said that he's definitely coming back. Um, and that's a legitimate question. I know some people would wonder why he wouldn't, but you know that he's a workout warrior. You know that he'll look good. He can go to a combine and shine, you know, and people can kind of overlook the numbers and maybe the injuries. And yeah, people he, people forget that at Gardena Serra, right. he was the guy ahead of Marquise Lee. And, and Robert Woods. And Robert Woods. So, you know, it was – he's had a rough – college career right but when you know he was wearing the tights and you know the under armor gear at a at the at the combine he's he's gonna look fantastic and he looked like it on on saturday i mean we've been waiting for that game for four years and i think it's been in him i don't think it just happened overnight i think that a you know a number of things kind of like that as i mentioned i think Kessler, you know, even trust in him. Um, and, and Sark mentioned that, you know, Farmer wasn't fully, I think, comfortable in the offense either, you know, and so I don't know. But either way, I think he'll come back. I think he'll have a great year next year. Um, well, he said he's coming back. He'll come back. Defensive tackle Antoine Woods, you know, he wasn't definitive, but it, it looks like he'll come back. I'm pretty sure he'll come back. Um, you know, Kevon Seymour, I think he's going to come back. Uh, Center Max Turk, that's a guy who we've heard different things about this. Um, I've heard it from recruits, and recruits hear it from coaches. So recruits believe that Turk is probably on his way out, which would create some some early playing time there. So, yeah, that's maybe, I don't know, that's a questionable one. It's hard to tell because he wouldn't be a center in the NFL. I think he had a hard time. It's tough, yeah, it's tough because he's, he's... you know, he proved himself at tackle, and, and he, right. you know, he he was playing out of necessity there at center. So yeah. it's it's tough to kind of base off, you know, what what he did this year. Yeah, I mean, he did the team a, a big solid. Yeah, you know, do we do we still yeah, use that expression? We, yeah, the team dapped him up real okay. well. So you know, um, definitely a help there for USC at center. But he didn't have a great year there. I think, you know, in, in a vacuum, if you look at how he played at center, it was okay. And so he wouldn't play that at the NFL. I don't know with him, you know, if he'll come back. I think he'll come back. I think I think he'll he'll come back because his draft stock wouldn't be that high. So you have Turk, Seymour, Farmer, Woods. I think all coming back. Um, Kessler definitely coming back. 
and, and then Agalor, um, again, I, if I were betting, you know, maybe a drink of Orangina, he's <laughs> not coming back. Right, so Steve Sarkeesian gets over the seven-win bump. Eight wins, eight and four. This team's heading into the bowl game now. What are the possibilities? Where are you feeling? Where are you booking your flight? Where's your hotel? What are you going to be eating? <laughs> wow. That's a loaded question. I, I loaded don't feel, potato. I don't feel comfortable telling you any of that yeah, information. Okay. No. Um, I think that um, I think they're going to end up in the Holiday Bowl, but that's not a guarantee. It really depends on what happens on, on Friday with Oregon and Arizona. But I... I I think you can pretty much lock it down between the Holiday Bowl and then the Foster Farms Bowl. So they're staying. They're staying in San Francisco or in in San Diego. Yeah. It's going to be chilly either way. I think in there in late December. In San Diego. Yeah. Chilly? Yeah, it gets chilly by the by the bay by the sea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so bring your jacket, Adam. I know. <laughs> I know you. You forgot your jacket out at Washington State. I mean, it's Pullman, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Exactly. They went against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was obviously riddled by injuries and not not the greatest team or not the best team that they could have fielded. How much do we read into it? And, and what's your season outlook and your takeaway? I guess from from this year. Well, with Notre Dame specifically, I think that's kind of irrelevant. I, I mean, I know that they had their depth issues. USC has them as well, but. For USC to play like that, I think it leaves a big imprint on them psychologically going into the following year. I feel like that game, I think I mentioned before, is was more important than the bowl game. Um, you remember that final game. I think it, it really does um, kind of, I think, uh, embedding you, like who you are, who you can be. And, you know, I, I hate making too many comparisons to 2001 and Pete Carroll's opening year, but I feel like this one is relevant where, you know, they finished the year blowing out UCLA. And, you know, they had a tough year that year where they had lost a number of games by, you know, touchdown or less. And then they go into a game where they're not too sure themselves. You know, I mean, UCLA had, had had a good team early in that year and they kind of fell apart with Deshaun Foster and everything getting suspended. But going back to that game, USC wins. They win 27 nothing, And, you know, they, they kind of don't show up for the bowl game. But how relevant was that? It was irrelevant. I mean, they come back in 2 and they're world beaters, you know, and they finish, I think, number four in the country, and Carson wins the Heisman, and, and so forth, and so, I mean, not that that's a complete precursor to what's going to happen now, but my point is that, you know, I think that that game was a lifting up point, that UCLA game, um, you, you finish the year knowing that I beat my rival, and we're a good team. You know, we could be better. You know, you, you kind of feel that pull that like, man, we were good. We could have been even better. And I, right now I saw that. I saw that with, with the USC team coming out, of that, coming out of that locker room on Saturday night where, you know, this isn't the first time that we've blown somebody out. It's the fifth time. They've won five games by 25 points. So beating Notre Dame, I think, was a good reminder of who we could be, who we should be. Last regular season game, you love to hand out your bumper sticker award. Love who, it. Who, who does it go to this week? Well, I think there are many deserving people, you know, and I'm going to mention that, you know, Cody Kessler, he broke a record, you know, six touchdowns against Notre Dame. That never happened before. They had 35 first downs against Notre Dame, and so a lot of things went right. A lot of people, you know, had a big hand in it, but I'm going to give the award out to the senior class. They've had um, 
an incredible run here at USC and you know in, incredible in the sense of like what they've all that they've had to deal with and all that they've had to persevere in that game I mean how wonderful was it to see you know Gerald Bowman get a pick and you know Hayes Pollard and J.R. Tavai had the best game of his career um, Randall Telfer catches a touchdown and I feel like I'm forgetting people um, okay I know who I'm forgetting uh, Josh Shaw how can I forget um, he wasn't around, so how, yeah. how could you remember? Well, I'm, I'm glad that he got to play. And and so he definitely, I think, is uh, deserving as well among the senior class of that bumper sticker award. And I think it goes to show, you know, a, a quote that Sarkisian made after the game was, the game plan was very clear for everybody. And I think we saw that. And I think, you know, we saw the best of USC because of that very reason. And so good for them to finish off the year. Um, you know, the regular season with that huge win over Notre Dame and the seniors the one kind of carrying the carrying the load there. So, you know, moving on, looking forward a little bit. I gave you this opportunity a couple of weeks ago. I asked you why USC will win the Pac-12 South next year. I'll go first and I'll let you go after me. I, I think they'll win the Pac-12 South next year because they will beat Oregon and UCLA to wrap it up at the end of the regular season. I think if Cody Kessler's coming back, that defense is going to be a little bit better in 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 a second year under under Justin Wilcox, um, you know if he sticks around or if he's if he's not replaced or whatever. But I feel like it'll be a the the, the identity will be there. A, a top ranked recruiting class is coming in, I think, next year as well. And we saw how much the 2014 class impacted this team. So there you go. I think they will beat Oregon in Eugene next year. And they will beat UCLA at the Coliseum, and they will wrap up the regular season beating those two Pac-12 teams, and they'll win the Pac-12 South. You really believe all that? I believe that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that's good for you. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But no Mariota. Yeah. He's no gone. Hundley. No Hundley. Mm-hmm. It sets up perfectly with a redshirt senior quarterback. Yeah, I, we have to see. You know. Where like where Arizona kind of you know deals their their off season, um, I, you can't overlook them. I think we always will overlook that game's them. here at the Coliseum next year, so that yeah that'll help. Um, ASU they lose Taylor Kelly, but they bring back Berkovici in all likelihood. And the Hail Mary probably. And they're and they're going to be playing at ASU. Yeah, I I love the division. I mean, I love that we have it's very competitive, very balanced. I love it. Yeah, that are ranked, you know, that are relevant. It's fun, isn't football fun? <laughs> It's fun, Blair. Thank you for the reminder. But um, but I think USC can win the Pac-12 South next year, just like they could have this year. I think the difference or the the key will be if they can be consistent. We just saw like uh, too much of a, a scatterbrain, I think, among the coaching staff, and and that's another point I want to make about the Notre Dame game. You know, both players and coaches were alluding to the fact that. You know, we tried to do too many new things, too many different things in that UCLA game. And we weren't, you know, the game plan was too different, too dramatically different. I think they, defensively, they put too much into taking the run away from Hunley. And they left, you know, a gaping hole in the defensive backfield. I think that of their, their three best safeties, none of them were playing safety in that game. You know, Gerald Bowman, Josh Shaw, Sula Cravens. 
in, in these two leg game. And so I think that defensively, um, they'll have a better handle on what they can do. They're going to be dealing with, you know, again, Leonard Williams not being there, Gerald Bowman not being there, Hayes Pollard not being there. So it, it's not going to be easy. But I feel like, you know, their identity will be better established, you know, coming into the year, knowing kind of your personnel better. You have to remember, you know, when you're, when you're coming into a program, you don't know everybody's strengths and weaknesses. I mean, it's impossible. And so I think Stark learned a lot about Kessler. I think he learned a lot about, I think Wilcox learned a lot about his guys on the other end. And so um, I think that they can win it. But I'm How not, confident I'm are not, you? How many Orangina's I mean, are you giving me if they if they do? I'll, I'll bet it. I'll bet an Orangina. Okay. A full Orangina. I'll go 10. I'll raise you 10 Orangina's. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, USC goes out in style in the regular season. They're waiting for their bowl game now. We'll be back to discuss USC recruiting with linebackers coach Peter Sermon, who doubles as the Trojans recruiting coordinator. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. 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 Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast here, joined by USC recruiting coordinator Peter Sermon. Coach, a big win against Notre Dame. What does a win like this and a manner in which you got it uh, kind of do for recruiting heading into the stretch run? It you know, definitely gives you some momentum. You know, you go on the road, and now it's uh, you know, the, the, the positive feelings and the way the kids perform today uh, you know, on a national stage versus a, a very, very good opponent. It gives us some momentum and, and some energy going into recruiting. A big first year for Coach Steve Sarkeesian and this staff. Now you guys kind of have something to sell to these recruits. Before it was, you know, these, uh, I guess, what you guys did in Washington and what you guys wanted to do. Now you were able to do some stuff. What what, what kind of stuff uh, is on that resume and what can you sell to these recruits? Well, you know, I think the, the first thing that we talk about is opportunity. You know, our numbers are still extremely low. Um, you know, we've been actually very fortunate with the, with the injuries. You know, that the depth hasn't been just slammed how it, how it possibly could have been. So for some of these young guys at certain positions, the, the opportunity is probably the number one thing we're talking about. Um, you know, we've obviously had played some good games and some games that we like to do over. Um, but for the most part, I think we're, we're within striking distance of, of really making a, a huge impact. And the guys that we're bringing in, I think, have a, a, they're all talented enough to help us get, you know, get us over the hump and get us back to, you know, where we think we'd like to be. When you guys got here in December last year, it, it, you had to finish with a flurry. I mean, limit, limitations scholarship-wise, now how refreshing is it to have a full class to work with and, and a full year to work with and, and work towards this recruiting class? It's, it's, it's invaluable, you know, because not as much as the talent evaluation, but it's getting to know the kids. And throughout the process, sometimes you, you find some players that you kind of slow down on, that they might not be the right temperament, they're not, not the right personality, not the right situation that, that you want. And uh, it's not just a talent business, you know, uh, especially these young guys that, are, that we're recruiting right now. They have to have the, the personality to, to come in and compete as true freshmen. You know, we're not going to, we're not telling anybody, hey, you're going to come in and redshirt. And some kids are okay with that. And some kids, you know, they, they want to take a deep breath when they get to college and, you know, give me a year to develop and, and let's see how it goes. So um, that, that's been the biggest key for us is we get to know these kids a lot better. 
you're able to sell, I guess, uh, immediate impact too. I mean, these fresh, the, the freshman class from last year has had a tremendous impact on this on this team. Uh, how valuable is that on the recruiting trail? It's been great. You know, will be great. You know, when you see the Adoris and the Juju's and the Vianes and the Damians and the Toas, uh, you know, Bryce had a you know a lot of catches today that uh, you get them in the game. John Plattenberg, you know, just you sit here and talk about it. There's so much opportunity and the track record now is going to be you know coach sark will, will play him and, and then you can showcase that with the uh, with uh, uh, the opportunity you know i think it should be a real powerful tool for us how different has it been to recruit at usc as opposed to washington you're always trying to you know build relationships and identify you know those characteristics that we're looking for usc is obviously a, a brand that that you know every kid that plays high school football has a thought about usc you know, good, bad, right or wrong, they have a you know a strong message or a strong feeling of what USC is, and and we get in there and just you know just keep promoting you know the opportunities, the tradition, the academics, the location, all those things, and and uh, it's 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 uh, there's not many places you'd rather have the logo on your chest to go out recruiting. Before I let you go, I, I know coaches uh, don't really know sometimes how a recruiting class will shape up or how you guys will finish. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a toss up to, sometimes with some recruits. Um, how do you feel? What are your expectations heading into, into February? You know, I think we have a, a substantial amount of our class done, you know, with guys that we feel really strong about and I think are, are very um, committed to us. And now, like most classes, it's going to come down to, you know, those finishing touches of the, you know, the last eight, you know, six, seven, eight guys that, that end up shaping this class. Um, we couldn't be more excited about the guys we currently have in the fold. And now we just have to make sure that we find the right guys. And, and again, we're always in the in the process of evaluating the right type of kids, the right personality, the right temperament, the right competitiveness. Those things are um, when you're around the game, they become very, very hard to coach. You know, those are those are innate things that, that we're trying to identify, not necessarily coach. That was USC recruiting coordinator Peter Sermon, who offered the coaching perspective heading into the final two months before National Signing Day. For the recruit perspective, we caught up with USC true freshman offensive lineman Damian Mama following the Notre Dame game, and Damian reflected on his own process from a year ago. I would hear things from coaches, but never never within my household. Uh, it, was, it was a great blessing. My parents really uh, let me take my wings and spread them throughout my recruiting process and really uh, take my trips wherever I wanted. There was nothing ever forced, and uh, uh, it, was, it was not really any stress. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun around this time and just taking advantage of everything that, that God's given me. What does a recruit go f- go through the, the last couple months? Um, just, uh, well, with me, it, it was a lot of prayers and, and consulting with my parents. Um, uh, even though they never forced that decision upon me, it was just I, I wanted to hear what they wanted to, where, to, where they wanted me to go and, and play and where they wanted to see me. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just... I, don't know, I can't even describe it. It's just like it's different. Last February, with when you signed with the Trojans, you signed with a program that had a new head coach, and there was a lot of unknowns. Now, you know, a year into this program with Steve Sarkeesian, what 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 do you hope recruits know about this program now? Um, we're we're here to play. We're here to compete. Uh, a lot of people say SC fell off, uh, but they're, they're not in our program. They don't see, they don't practice every day uh, with with uh, my brothers and. They, they don't really know anything. Until they come and experience it themselves, eh, this is we're here. 
we're not going anywhere. You mentioned your brothers, uh, another program from across town. UCLA also recruited a lot of you guys. Uh, you, you were able to lose, or you, you guys lost that, that first game, uh, your first game against, against UCLA. Uh, what do you think that does to the recruiting landscape here in Los Angeles? Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, definitely watching that game the last three years, or the last two years really uh, paying attention to recruiting, like looking through the recruiting process. Um, it, it didn't really affect me. It, it might affect those kids who was like, oh, they beat them, so let's go here. But it, it doesn't mean anything. It's a game. Uh, as you can see throughout all of college football, uh, things happen. People win, people lose. And uh, if, it, if it wasn't for us, then it wasn't for us. Last one before I let you go. What's your recruiting pitch? If you, if you were to talk to a recruit, host them maybe on an official visit out here on campus, what's your pitch? What, what do you tell them? What a great one. Um, well, I, I try to sell the school as much as I can, but I definitely tell them, make, make the decision for themselves, for themselves and their parents. Uh, it's, it's them that's going to go through it. I can say all I want, but that, that's not going to do anything for them. I'm not going to help them out. But uh, I, what I try to do is play and see I have them see what, what we're doing. It's not really talking to them, just having them look from the outside and then through the recruiting process get a little, see the inside a little bit and just let them experience it by themselves. And uh, just have fun, have fun. And it's, it's a great process, it's fun. Uh, take advantage of all the opportunities that it gives you and just have a blast. St. John Bosco's in the Pac-5 final. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, I'll be there, I'll be at the game, uh, just preaching to them to compete. Just like us, uh, anything they do is just fight and uh, claw because it's, it's going to be a battle. Uh, some people say it's, it's going to be a shootout, but uh, I, I feel like my boys will get it done. Thanks a ton for joining us, Damian. Thank you. Thank you. That was USC true freshman offensive lineman Damian Mama. We'll be back with Adam Maya talking USC recruiting as the Trojans hosted five official visitors over the weekend. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, Travis Rogers from Yahoo Sports Radio. Thanks for listening to my friends, Trojansports.com and the Trojan Sports Podcast presented by Rivals. You know, we talk Trojans and everything going on in sports. Plus, we actually have some fun every morning on Yahoo Sports Radio and heard locally in Southern California on AMA 30 KLAA, home of the Angels. It's the Travis Rogers Show every weekday morning from 6 until 10. Check us out. Now, back to the Trojansports.com podcast. We're back on the Trojansports.com podcast talking USC recruiting with Adam Maya. Adam, a big weekend for the Trojans. They get the big win against Notre Dame. It was huge because they hosted five official visitors. Right, they made a huge impression on you know five official visitors on top of many other people that were there, many other recruits that were in attendance. I want to go down the line with the official visitors and if you can kind of tell me where they're at right now. Um, let's begin with three-star defensive end, uh, Michael Chifua. Yeah, he's he's from Hawaii. Um, and he's a Johnny Nansen recruit. Johnny Nansen actually went out there and, and offered him and, and really liked him. So he's committed to BYU right now. He's going to still officially visit BYU. He has some other official visits set up as well. So USC was the first one, actually, that he officially visited. But I heard USC made a great impression. You know, the biggest concern right now is whether or not he'll take his mission, his LDS mission, straight out of high school 
or if he'll go into college and take it after his freshman year. Kind of, you know, the same talk we've had with Damian Mama for, for a while. So I think USC made a big impression. They they like him as that J.R. Tavai role, kind of undersized, but really explosive, really effective there at, at that DN spot in that 3-4 defense. Uh, and I think you, USC has to like their chances right now. I, I think he's a guy that fits what they want to do and, and at a position where they're losing a, a key guy. One guy that you've been tracking for a while, um, in person even, four-star linebacker Osama Sune from Utah. Tell me about him. Yeah, I saw him in Salt Lake City in, in early November. Uh, saw him at a practice, talked to him, and he told me it was down to USC, UCLA, and ASU. And the biggest thing for him, he told me about this official visit to USC, was going to be getting familiarity with the players and, and getting to know their lives off the field and, and kind of getting the experience that a college student-athlete goes through because he he's known the USC staff for a while Peter Sermon and Marcus Tuesosobo were actually first you know the first two coaches that really reached out to him when they were at Washington that so he he kind of has an, an attachment to them because they were the first to to go out and, and recruit him um, so he's had a long-standing relationship with those coaches the biggest thing for him like I said was just getting uh, familiar with the campus and the and the st- and you know the, the players and all that and and his mother told me Sunday when they were heading back to Salt Lake City that he absolutely loved it and I, I spoke to someone close to the situation who also said that Osa didn't stop smiling on this visit so uh, USC feels really good about their chances they're they're scheduled to have an in-home visit with him this week he he he's scheduled somewhat to announce at the US Army All-American Bowl but if he feels he can commit before that and he knows fully in his heart that he he knows where he wants to go. He he'll commit before that, and I think USC sits in a great spot right now. Hmm. I wonder if they gave him Lauren Gina. <laughs> oh man, uh, that I would drive that on. would drive me to Idaho or Montana if <laughs> if USC gave me Lauren Gina on my official visit. Okay, what about four-star defensive tackle Tim Suttle? That could be a potentially big recruit for them. Yeah, huge recruit, and he's a guy that. I think had a lot of pub early on. Um, there's been some grade concerns there with academics and, and all that, but I think USC has, has put in the work. Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach, went out to Virginia to see him earlier this season, uh, and they were able to get get him out here on a visit. So that shows you know that they're interested. He's interested. Um, it, it's tough because unlike Messina, you know he didn't have any family members out here with him. So you just never know whether a recruit is is just looking for a free trip to Los Angeles or if you know he's really serious if they don't have their parents out here or some you know guardian or someone close to them that could help them make this decision so you know settle like you mentioned big big recruit at a position of need they need interior alignment they have no jefferson and jacob daniel committed but another one would be huge especially you know if they lose leonard williams which we're expecting so settle obviously a guy that that i think is worth monitoring here in the next couple of weeks one guy I'm very curious about, four-star cornerback Dante with uh, Jackson. That's Dante with a little, you know, little Dory posture. Yeah, the yeah, Dory, and and interestingly enough, he told me Adore Jackson was the guy he spent the most time with during his visit. And they're kind of similar guys. I mean, they had a lot to talk about. Yeah, with the whole posture. They've got the dreadlocks kind of going, and you know, they're he, you know, he's been a guy that. Uh, coach Hayward has been on for a while. Keith Hayward, the defensive backs coach, he's from Louisiana, the New Orleans era uh, area. Um, I think USC sits in a good spot right now. It's tough because, like, like with Tim Settle, he didn't have any family members out here with him, so 
if I think if they're really serious, they they'll, they'll come back on an unofficial visit before National Signing Day. Uh, but like I said, Hayward's been on him. Uh, I think they're not really comfortable with the defensive backs they have committed right now. Uh, won't really kind of go into that, but um, we'll save that for the ChildrenSports.com message boards in the in the coming days. But Dante Jackson, a guy that's very versatile, could play running back, could be a punt returner, kick returner, corner. So he's one of those guys that they've brought in 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 uh, the class the class before this one and in this one where they want versatile guys and Dante I think he's an LSU kind of guy maybe a Georgia Florida State type of guy but never hurts to come and and, and check out UCL or USC and Los Angeles yeah he's a kid with a lot of options I'm wondering how much um, Biggie Marshall's decision would impact his yeah that's the thing I mean USC probably has some guys at corner already kind of lined up they have a commitment from Isaiah Langley from Northern California Tayon Mason from Pasadena is, is kind of a versatile wide receiver corner type of guy you know they're sitting at a great spot with Achille Ross from Riverside he he has versatility to play corner and receiver and safety you know they're in great spot with Marvell Tell another defensive back I know they're still pushing for Deshaun Holiday from San Diego Keith Hayward was actually uh, out there um, on Sunday I think for an in-home visit so you know it's it, it seems like USC is is lining up some really really good options at, at corner and at defensive back finally the fifth official visitor a four-star linebacker Roquan Smith yeah another another kind of settle Jackson thing you know these out-of-state kids if they bring a family member you know it's serious um you know I was kind of watching Roquan Smith out in the stands at the Coliseum Saturday and he seemed a little bored uh, I'm not sure if it was just a free visit for him out here to Los Angeles I know UCLA has made a big push for him I think they were his first offer he's had a great relationship with coach Ulbrich the, the linebackers coach at UCLA so maybe it was just another opportunity to kind of check out Los Angeles and the west coast but right now we're hearing it's it's a, a long shot if if that for Roquan Smith we had about what elite, more than a dozen other recruits oh, yeah very tennis. prominent names yeah who are some noteworthy people that you think you know could be impacted by what happened Saturday yeah well first off five-star offensive tackle Chuma Adoga who's already signed mid-year enrollment papers he came out here from Georgia on an official visit he's really close with Chris Wilson and his son Caleb who's at Gardena Sarah it was big for Chuma Doga to be out here on an unofficial capacity. Um, it just kind of goes to show, you know, that he's really interested, especially after taking an official to Georgia recently. Uh, it kind of just locked this one up, I think. Uh, another guy, Porter Gustin, he was out here with 25 or so family members. And uh, I spoke to his dad, and, and he said the first thing he did after going to the Coliseum for that Notre Dame game they went out to the beach, and Porter spent a, a while in the ocean swimming. So a kid from Utah coming out here in late November to Los Angeles, I, I would do the same exact thing, just go out to the beach, enjoy the sun rays. So I think Porter Gustin is, is another guy that I think U, USC is sitting in a great spot with. They want him to f officially visit last. So they want the last official visit. They want to make the last impression before National Signing Day. And it seems like the, the Gustin family is very willing to appease that. And, and that just kind of goes to show you know, how big this, this visit was. Uh, he's seen Notre Dame. He officially visited Notre Dame. That's the only official he's taken. He saw Notre Dame at ASU, which was obviously a Sun Devil blowout. And then they see Notre Dame lose in, in the way that they did to USC. So 
it's big for the Trojans to make that kind of impression, and he's been a guy that they've been on for for a while. Uh, Akili Ross, like we mentioned earlier, Marvell Tell, those were two other big guys that were there in the 2016 class, which you know is, is I think bigger right now because as we heard Peter Sermon in, in our in our segment earlier, they, they've pretty much locked down the 2015 class. I think they already know how it's going to round out, and 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 it's taken some really good shape. But for 2016, it's already begun. Uh, you know, we had a bunch of guys who have offers: C.J. Pollard, Brandon Burton, K.J. Costello, Tyler Vaughn, Jackie Jones. One guy that who who visited for the first time was tight end Devin Asiasi. He's a four-star from De La Salle. Probably going to be back here in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area, for the CIF State Open Division Bowl game. And, and Devin told me this was huge because he grew up an SC fan, and he knows that they need tight ends, and, and that's a big thing, a big selling point for for Coach Clay Helton and Marcus Tuiasosopo. And so these guys are, are making sure that the recruits know where they need the positions and 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 you know wh- where they need the bodies. Devin Asiasi also told me he he really likes USC, likes the environment, and being able to come out to a USC Notre Dame game. I don't think. It, you know, gets any better than that, unless you know both teams were undefeated and there was national uh, championship aspirations on both sides. But you know, for the most part, it was a great environment. Uh, you know, other guys, Mike Juarez, Trayvon Sidney, Darian Franklin, all those guys uh, have offers and they were there. So I think the interest is picked up uh, dramatically, and, and I think USC is in a great spot heading into National Signing Day. All right, Blair. Well, I have one other question for you. It's Monday morning, and the big news today. Josh Rosen, St. John Bosco quarterback uh, out of Bellflower, who's a UCLA commit, has been announced as the number one overall recruit in the nation by rivals. Yeah, that kid usually goes to SC. Yeah, and and he's a quarterback. Right. So I just wanted to talk to you about that and, and how did that happen and you know how do you feel about USC's quarterback class? Yeah, in? so so around this time last year, you know, mid December or so, uh, Josh Rosen was still uncommitted. He was pretty much wide open for the most part i mean he 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 liked stanford a lot he wanted kind of to go there um but the big thing for him was knowing that steve sarkeesian was coming down from washington i asked him um around this time last year i asked him hey you know steve sarkeesian approaches you what what's going to be your response and he said he was willing to to hear hear him out listen to him he wanted to check out campus and really kind of get the academic side of things he's He's a big academics guy, um, graduating early. I think he's going to be the first St. John Bosco student-athlete to graduate early um, ever in the history of that school. So he's a big uh, academics guy. So we wanted to find out a lot of things about USC. But it it was interesting that USC kind of went the other way with Ricky Town, who was another hot recruit quarterback here in, in, uh, in Southern California. And Ricky Town was committed to Alabama. So I think it was big for USC to gain momentum heading into this class and flipping a kid that, that was committed to Alabama. And, and, and Steve Sarkeesian and that staff clearly chose that path. Then we find out, hey, you know, we, we want to take a second quarterback, which is Sam Darnold, who's mm-hmm. actually jumped him in the rivals' rankings. Town. Yeah, yeah, jumped town. So it's interesting because, you know, we always say, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't, ha- you don't have one. And, and it kind of, it's, it's kind of similar in the recruiting rankings. I mean, if, you're, if you feel like you need to take two with a 25-man class, I'm not sure you're confident in, you know, either direction. It was interesting to see Clay Helton after the Notre Dame game 
um, you know, talking to town and his father. And then we see KJ Costello, a 2016 recruit from uh, Santa Margarita. And KJ comes over and, and he introduces, uh, Helton introduces Costello to town. And it was kind of surreal to, to, mm. to see that. Like, you know, here's the kid we're recruiting to overtake you in a couple years. It, it was kind of that situation. So with, with town and Rosen and Darnold, it's clear that you know Rosen's going to be a big player for UCLA. He has tremendous upside. Very smart. Has all the tools. And and you know I think USC at this point just has to hope that you know one of their guys kind of emerges and 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 does the job. We've seen all three of those quarterbacks that we mentioned going to USC or could be going there. Town, Darno, Costello. Pick one. Ah oh, man, that's tough. I'm 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 gonna go with Sam Darnold just because he has the athletic ability. He's a big basketball guy. Um, as he has the athletic ability to be more of a dual threat guy in, in that offense, and I think there's some window where that works. And we didn't really see that with Kessler here in his redshirt junior year. But down the line, I think we could see it. We, you know, Jalen Green is also on the roster. He can be that type of guy. So I think Darnold fits that mold. I really like Costello, though. I love his arm strength. It, probably the strongest arm of those three. Ricky Town's the smartest of those three. Just very savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his leadership is, is great. But for the most part, those three were big, and, and they, they are, they're also in on Shea Patterson. He's a five-star dual-threat guy from Louisiana, big Steve Clarkson guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Clarkson uh, and, and Steve Sarkeesian have a great relationship. So I know there's big trust there in Shea Patterson. So that's that's worth monitoring. And you know, quarterback recruiting is never never in a lull, even if you have two quarterbacks. So yeah. I like Sam Darnold as well. Uh, very athletic guy, and I think ultimately Sark might be looking for maybe not a mobile quarterback, but an athletic one. You know, I think that's what he's looking for in terms of being able to run if he needed to, which Josh Rosen can do, but. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. I, I like Darnold a lot. Yeah, and Sam's going to be playing for a CIF championship on Friday night. We'll be there to cover that. If you're wondering where Chris Swanson is, he's actually catching up with Sam Darnold at the CIF luncheon uh, down in Long Beach. So look out for that content on Trojansports.com this week. Uh, for Adam Maya, you can follow him at Adam J. Maya on Twitter. This is Blair Angulo. Thanks for tuning in to the Trojansports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Trojansports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at Bangulo, at Chris B. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the Trojansports.com podcast.